welcome to Ink and Impact, the podcast for Christian writers who want to impact their readers. I'm your host, Daylene Bickle, and each week I'll help you keep a pulse on the publishing industry, showcase Christian authors and their books, and share ways you can improve your craft and magnify your message. Whether you're a fiction or nonfiction writer, traditionally or indie published, established or just starting out, this podcast is for you. Welcome back to another episode of the Ink and Impact podcast. It is December already, and actually it's December 7th, which is Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. And that is, of course, referring back to on this day in 1941, when more than 2,400 Americans perished at the U.S. Naval Base in Hawaii when the Japanese performed a surprise air attack during World War II. And I came across an article today which contained an interesting fact, and the article was titled Seven Interesting Facts About the Attack on Pearl Harbor, and it was from ChristianPost.com, and it said, quote, Mitsuo Fuchida was the Japanese fighter pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. Less than a decade after doing so, Fuchida converted to Christianity and eventually became a traveling evangelist, end quote. So that is rather fascinating, and I had never heard that before. And you can read his first-person testimony by using the link in the show notes from moodymedia.org. His story also resonated with me because today I was reading in the book of Acts when Saul was on the road to Damascus to persecute the Jews, but the Lord met him on that road and transformed his heart right then and there and made him a disciple for Christ. And God is still in the business of transforming hearts. And you know what he used to catch Mr. Fuchida's attention shortly after World War II? It was through a written pamphlet that contained the testimony of an American POW that he discovered a few years after the end of the war. So our personal testimonies matter. His reading that personal testimony of that POW planted that seed that led to him becoming a Christian. And so our God-given stories matter as well. But with so many U.S. at least based Christian bookstores closing and have closed over the last 10 years or so, it makes us wonder, is there still a need for Christian books and for Christian stories? That's what I'm going to discuss on today's episode of Income Impact right after this message about today's sponsor. Register today for the Self-Publishing Unpacked Masterclass. Is 2024 the year that God is calling you to self-publish your book, but you're daunted by the idea of transforming your manuscript into an actual book? Or maybe you're struggling with information overload from all of your research on how to self-publish? Are you unsure about which parts of the self-publishing process apply to you and which don't? Maybe you feel like you're learning a new language altogether with all the technical terms associated with self-publishing. If any of that resonated with you, then this masterclass is for you. Discover my proven self-publishing process. Gain clarity and 
traction around your publishing journey and receive practical and tactical tips, not just basic information or fluff. Still not sure if self-publishing unpacked is right for you? Well, here's what else you'll get in this hour-long virtual class. You'll discover when your manuscript is ready for publication, how to determine which printer is right for you, what you need to consider before starting the uploading process, how self-publishing actually works, and more. So why continue Googling how to self-publish and then second-guessing your every decision when you can receive proven, relevant guidance from someone who has been in the self-publishing industry since 1997, I have self-published more than a dozen books, and I have been called to encourage and equip and support fellow Christian writers. Never before has self-publishing been more accessible to authors, yet accessibility doesn't necessarily mean intuitive or immediate. I'm here to help you understand the process of self-publishing and establish a realistic time frame for your book. I'm also here to ensure you create a quality book. As an author, your primary focus should be on meeting your reader's needs and expectations. And if you're a Christian writer, you should also desire to do all things for the glory of God. In other words, be passionate about your writing and intentional with your publishing. Therefore, this masterclass is not for you if you are merely looking for the easiest, cheapest way to publish, or you don't care about the quality of your finished book. But I'm guessing that you do care about producing a book worthy of sitting on a shelf alongside a traditionally published book. Register today to discover how you can become a self-published author in 2024. Select from two different dates. All the details, the times are on the sales page, and that link is in the show description. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, so let's dive into today's episode. Is there still a market for Christian books? To help answer that question, let me tell you a bit about the podcast I was recently listening to about crowdfunding as a tool for indie authors in general. It wasn't a um, Christian-specific podcast. It was just for indie authors in general. And one of the things that the guest said, and that guest was actually a USA Today best-selling indie author, and they said that one of the reasons that many indie authors don't reach their crowdfunding goals and therefore don't get the money from, say, Kickstarter or whatever platform they're using is because they don't create quality books. Maybe they got met their crowdfunding goal with their first book, but then whenever their patrons, the people who donated the money, um, it's not actually a donation because they get something in return, but the people who funded the project, and then they get the book, a lot of times they are disappointed in the quality of the product. And so when that same author goes to do book number two, those original funders are not willing to fund again, and word of mouth can make or break an author, right? And so a lot of times if that author did not provide quality publication, they're not going to really have uh, many funders in the future, right? And that's going to be the same within the book industry in general. If we publish a book and put it out into the world and it's not quality, then it's not going to sell well and our next books aren't going to sell well either because by then word of mouth has gotten around, right? 
so it's important to create quality. And that's something that I talk about regularly on this show. We need to take our work seriously and work professionally. We need to fill the gap of what's underrepresented in the book industry because according to traditional publishing industry trends, there is still a large market for Christian books. In fact, I was just reading where um, the upcoming London Book Fair is going to have a Christian collective segment just for Christian um, publisher, traditional publishers to be able to meet with other agencies and book publishers in other countries to sell rights. Okay, So it's a worldwide need. It's not just here in the U.S. It's worldwide. People are still desiring Christian books. And I firmly believe that God is still calling us to write these books, to write about him and the gospel message and to glorify him. But in addition to creating quality books, we indie authors also have to get better at marketing our books. And we know this. I know in the Ink and Impact Facebook group, I ask a question whenever they first join, you know, what's one of your top challenges right now? And eight out of 10 times, it's marketing. We need to start following the mindset of big publishers. Here's what an unnamed representative from, and I might not be pronouncing this name correctly, but Bonner Books or Bonnier Books, it's B-O-N-N-I-E-R Books UK. This individual said in a recent article from the bookseller, online regarding the usage of social media platforms. So there was a big discussion about which social media platforms traditional publishers are using these days. And this individual said, quote, ultimately, we're committed to going where our readers take us and to ensure that we offer our community the space and the content to connect, debate, and celebrate their love of stories, whatever the platform. And I'll have a link in the show notes to that article as well. But are we as indie authors willing to go where our readers are? Are we making it easy for them to find us? Are we providing content that promotes discussion and celebrates God-honoring stories that tackle hard topics, yet share gospel-centered themes of hope, faith, and love? To do these things, it requires us to first know where our readers are hanging out. Just because TikTok is all the rage for some readers, it doesn't mean it's the right place for all authors. Take me, for example, as someone who writes bespoke legacy books and who coaches Christian entrepreneurs and small business owners through their self-publishing journeys, my readers and clients are more apt to be found on LinkedIn and Instagram than on TikTok, the latter of which I also have personal convictions against using, but I digress. The right platform will be different for each author which is why you've got to do the research to discover what's right for you and your readers. There is no cookie cutter approach, and that's where a lot of authors are sighing and getting frustrated because they just want someone to tell them what to do and check the boxes and then have it done. But we need to connect with our readers and find out where they are, what they want, what they need. Okay. So, as I was preparing for this episode, I, I always do research, and I've already mentioned some of the research, but here's another piece that I came across. It's an excellent article written by a school librarian named Karen Jensen. And for those of you who have listened to the Ink and Impact podcast for any amount of time, uh, you know that I have a heart for the need for better Christian 
books, especially for the middle grade and young adult age range. It should come as no surprise to you then that this article caught my attention because of its title. It's a treatise on the state of middle grade and young adult publishing today. Okay, and it's really, really informative. I highly suggest that you read this article, even if you don't write middle grade or YA fiction. Um, again, the link will be in the show notes. But it's, it's so important to read because it contains a wealth of valid points that apply to all of us. I've pulled some of the top points to share with you here. So according to Miss Jensen, some of the biggest book challenges for librarians include, and I'm quoting, oversaturation and competition in the market. In addition, discovery is harder and many book titles just aren't available to school and public libraries because of purchasing policies. End quote. Now this is me talking. Why is this important to us as indie authors, regardless of our genre? Because if we want to get into libraries, whether school libraries or public libraries, we need to be aware of how they purchase their books. How do we get in there? Do our research. Is that where our readers are? Is that something that's worthwhile? So the next point that Miss Jensen shares is, quote, book prices continue to go up while income continues to decline, end quote. So she's referring to how um, obviously cost of paper and print and everything is, is making books pricier. And also there's a trend for more hardcover books than paperbacks these days. And so she's saying that, you know, the prices of books are going up, but the average student's household income is either staying the same or going down. And most students don't have their own source of income. So it's up to parents to buy the books. And when they're facing, you know, groceries or heat, they're going to pay those rather than buying books, right? So that's something to keep in mind for our readers too. Are we making the books available in formats that they are able to access. Another point that Ms. Jensen shares, and I quote, there is an ongoing movement from print to digital. The digital divide is real, end quote. And so this is referring to ebooks. So ebook sales, especially um, if you write fiction, so many authors go with ebooks because it's simple, right? And it's no or hardly any money out of pocket for you at, to do ebooks just simpler to share the a, a link or a digital file than it is an actual paperback, right? There are lots of pros to ebooks, but are you reaching all of your audience that way? Because there, the digital divide that she was referencing means that not all segments of the population have access to the internet. Not every home has internet access. And those that do, not everyone has the funds for a tablet, an e-reader, right? And yes, there are apps that you can download onto your computer and that kind of thing, but it's a, an extra step and it's not the same as reading on a tablet and it's not portable as easily. So there are those, those barriers to some segments of the population. And you have to remember too, if you're writing to an international audience, there's a, even more people who don't have internet access internationally than just in the US. So consider that as well. Another point that she shares that I wanted to bring to your attention is that, quote, authors are making exclusive deals with Audible, which means that school and public libraries literally cannot provide access to many titles, end quote. This was new to me. I'm not an uh, audiobook listener. 
I've never done an audiobook myself, but I thought that was fascinating that at least with the traditional publishers, they are making these exclusive deals with Audible, which is owned by Amazon. And so it's only available from Amazon, which means public libraries can't get them, or at least school libraries, right? Something to consider. Another point she shares is, quote, readers often cannot tell by the cover who the target audience is, end quote. Oh, this is so good. So good. I, you know, I'm saying about quality books, and a lot of it is about the quality of the cover because covers can um, not necessarily sell the book. People will still want to look inside and read and see if that's something that they want to purchase. But the cover is what attracts a potential buyer in the first place. And if you don't attract them, they're not going to bother opening up the book to see if it's for them. So you need a quality cover and not just a professionally designed cover. It's one that speaks to the reader. Do they know it's for them? Um, she argued in the article that you can't tell an adult book from a middle grade book because it's all stylized the same and let the reader know at a glance who it's for. And then the final point I'm going to share here that she wrote about was, quote, books are long in length and too heavy for backpacks and too expensive. Not all books need to be shorter, but we need more shorter options. And please, more standalone titles, end quote. So, a lot shared in that last passage. The length and too heavy for backpacks. So, I am aware of this because of my kid's age, you know, being in high school and everything, that lockers aren't a thing really anymore. More and more and more schools are taking away lockers, for a variety of reasons and kids have to carry all of their books all day long in backpacks and so if they're already carrying textbooks notebooks computer laptops you know school issued computer laptops all that their lunch they're carrying all this all day long they don't have space time bandwidth weight to carry a hardcover book you know when i was growing up it, you it's called the the trade book size it's not a, a five by eight or it's not a six by nine it's a smaller paperback right just kind of not exactly a pocket book, but a little larger. But anyway, they're lightweight, they're small, they're easy to carry. And she was saying how it would be nice to go back to that. So I thought that was an interesting detail, especially if you are selling to the younger age, right? Or even, I mean, even us adults, we women carry these big pocket books and we carry briefcases and, and all this kind of thing, you know, something smaller would be nice to be able to transport with us. And she was saying, about the books being shorter. She's talking about the length, how so many books are so long and drawn out. And, and like she said, not all books have to be short, but you know, if it, if you can say it concisely, say it concisely. Don't just draw it out and add fluff to meet a certain page count. And I thought it was interesting that she would like to see more standalone titles. And I think that is a great idea too, because in a library, they only have so much bookshelf space, right? And if you have a series, it takes up so much space, so that pushes out how many other authors can be in there, right? So if we did just standalone titles, A, as a first-time author, that would give you more access, like, here, here's this one book, it's not going to take up a lot of your space, that kind of thing. So these are all just ideas to think about when you're considering your target reader. So while reading habits change and market barriers exist, there is still a huge opportunity for Christian indie authors to fill the gaps and overcome the challenges. So this librarian was literally begging 
for more books, not Christian books necessarily, but she was begging for more books. And I would argue that if she is arguing for more books in a public school system, imagine how much greater the need is for Christian school librarians and homeschooling parents, right? They want more options. And the same holds true for all age groups. There is a need and desire for more Christian books across the board. How many of us have bemoaned the fact that we don't have Christian bookstores in our areas anymore because we like going in and holding the books and looking at the books and discovering new authors, right? But just because we don't have necessarily brick and mortar bookstores anymore doesn't mean that the need has dissipated or that there isn't any way that we can be found. We just have to become more creative and we have to put in the work. We have to provide quality books and make them stand out and not just create the book, but hand them and serve them to our readers, make them available to people where they're at. We need to package our book in ways that meet our readers' expectations and needs. So here is a list of things that I thought of. Create quality, attractive, age-appropriate, and genre-specific covers that immediately let the reader know who the target audience is. Provide valuable content. Create shorter stories for younger audiences. That was a need I wasn't aware of until I read her article. So if you write for middle grade, even younger children, consider writing shorter stories. We should all create books that have been properly edited. If we write for younger readers, consider producing trade-sized paperbacks, not large hardcovers. If our readers are older adults, then consider creating large print books, which are larger books, right? It all depends on the reader. If we are targeting you know, people who are really active in their careers and don't have a lot of downtime, well, those might be perfect people for audiobooks. Just make sure that they aren't exclusive to Audible, right? If we are targeting um, individuals and, and families that might not have a large discretionary income and they're price conscious on the books that they buy, then we might consider ebooks, but also keeping in mind the digital divide. And another point that I want to make is that we need to do our research to get in front of our readers. Where do they hang out and learn about books? So are they on social media? Not everybody is. Not all readers are. Maybe your readers aren't. Find out if they are on social media and if they are, which platforms? Are your readers do they read magazines? Are they subscribed to magazines and certain newspapers? Do they buy online? Like, are there online stores? Christianbooks.com, Amazon. Where are they buying their books from? Maybe they buy from brick-and-mortar stores and not just bookstores, but gift shops, novelty shops. Um, you know, a lot of stores sell local author books or local history books. I know I was in Walgreens and in Cracker Barrel. They sell our local history, local author books. That's an opportunity that you might take advantage of in your area. Libraries. You know, do your research to discover where and how school libraries make their purchases. And um, I know that many public libraries, you know, just regular neighborhood public libraries, are able to order books from books that are uh, published through Ingram Spark. So, that's something to consider as well. Maybe 
you write books that would benefit book clubs, have them read together as a group and discuss, especially if you create discussion questions at the end of your book. Maybe you write devotionals or Bible studies, and so you could target different Bible study groups in your area. Do your target readers attend conferences? Like I mentioned homeschoolers before, there are huge homeschooling conferences. And blogs, you know, do you have a blog? Are people reading your blog? Are they commenting? Or is it an active blog? What other blogs do you read? What other organizations have blogs that you could ask to be a contributing author on and then promote your books that way? It all comes down to being creative and finding out where your target readers hang out. So as I wrap up today's episode, let me provide you with two final pieces of advice. One, don't try to market everywhere at once. That'll just cause burnout and more confusion. You just want to focus on one or two at a time. And two, don't simply do what everyone else is doing when it comes to book promotion. Don't just hop on TikTok because everybody says you can sell books on TikTok. Don't just do XYZ. Take the time to find out what works for you, your budget, and where your readers are. You need to consistently market your books. Be willing to devote the time and or funds to creatively, yet professionally, make your books known to them because there is, my friend, still a market for Christian books. So what did you think of this episode? Place a comment below if you are watching this on YouTube or head on over to the Ink and Impact Facebook group and let me know there. We have um, more people joining every week. Would love to have you join us and join the conversation and share your thoughts about this podcast episode or any podcast episode. And feel free to ask your self-publishing questions there. And speaking of self-publishing, don't forget to register for the upcoming self-publishing unhacked masterclass. Hope to see you there. God bless. That's it for today, fellow pen pusher. Remember, don't just write a book, make an impact.